0: Hello everybody and welcome to all the listeners on the Opstem Podcast to once again for a new episode of the T20 Fever. I'm Danush Lawni, welcoming you all. And finally, the T20 Fever that is all about the T20 cricket happening across the world is definitely going on extremely well over the last few days. There has been some noteworthy stuff that has happened and definitely in this episode today, I'll be bringing to you all of those information in a very brief manner and give you the most important stuff that you need to know when it comes to t20 cricket that is happening across the world in 2024. let us start up with india itself and the first t20 i happened between india and afghanistan at the is vindra stadium in Mohali. it was around five or nine degrees uh, celsius when it comes to the temperature and it was one of the coldest matches played for by an indian team for sure and this has been the case in this time period especially in the early stages of the year, especially the January and the February month. It is always very cold and very chilly in Mahali, And that is what it was. But the performance of Team India was uh, not affected at all because they played extremely well out there. They bowled extremely well. They restricted the Afghanistan team for 158 uh, when they were batting first. The bowling was excellent out there from Aksar Patel, who was outstanding with his uh, line and lens and accuracy. That is something that a left arm spinner always Uh, has in his repertoire, which is accurate line and length. And that is what Akshar Patel showcased. And that is the reason why he was the pick of the bowlers, taking 2-for-23 and putting the Afghanistan team under trouble and also keeping them under control when it comes to the scoring rate. But another player that I'm always uh, feeling good to look at and I'm impressed by the way he has uh, made a place for himself in the Indian team over the last six months has been Mukesh Kumar. 2-for-33 with the ball in the first T20-I. But the way he has played over the last six months, he debuted for the Indian team in the West Indies Tour in August last year. And he has been continuously being given the opportunity to play for the team across the three formats. He has played ODI, T20 and Tests. And he has showcased extreme amount of consistency in various conditions. He played well in West Indies when he started up, where he got all the three caps, the ODI, T20 and the uh, Test cap. He did decently well there. And then when he was given the opportunities to play against Australia, uh, in the T20 series, right after the ICC Cricket World Cup, he did the well there as well. In South Africa also, he was outstanding in the Cape Town Test match when he was brought into the team. And here also, he has been outstanding when it comes to applying himself into different formats and making sure that he is giving the best out there with the ball. 2 for 33 for him was one of the pick of the bowlers as well. And 159 in Mohali is always going to be an easy tar- target because the history says that the scoring range of Mohali is over 180-185, especially in T20 internationals. India have played five T20 internationals in Mohali, of which all the four or five games have been won by the team that is chasing. So India won four of the five games they have played in Mohali, and the other one that they lost was against Australia, and that was also a, a run chase of 205-206, which was done pretty much easily by Australia. So you need to have a big total on the board when you are batting first in Mohali. And 158 was not that big of a target. And Team India pretty convincingly chased off. Even though they lost the wicket of Rohit Sharma early on. And he was completely... uh, I mean, he was even abusing on on camera out there to Shubman Gill. But still, I can definitely say that uh, the rest of the players, the youngsters stepped up well out there and and showcased some good batting uh, talent out there. Shubman Gill got a few boundaries out there. Then he got out, unfortunately. Tilak Varam also looked in good nick coming in at number 3. But the pick, but the best of the lot in the batting order was Shivam Dube. The way he has made sure that he has an idea of how to play the game and what is his role in the team—that is what has made him the player over the last one year out, one year or so. Because if you look into the performance of his uh, in twenty twenty three and uh, leading into twenty twenty four, it has been just terrific. And a major impact has been definitely the way he has played for the Chennai Super Kings in the in the IPL out there. He's given that number four, number five position. He, he consistently comes out during those middle overs phase. And with his big, big hitting ability out there and his uh, leg side dominant batting stack, he attacks those spinners in the middle overs. He attacks the with the bowlers in the middle overs and scores big runs of uh, the mid-wicket region moreover whenever he's batting. And pretty much the same he did yesterday as well. The two sixes that he did uh, was outstanding. It was towards, that, uh, towards the mid-wicket region itself. And it was a more a more, more of a leg side dominant innings. But we can definitely see the implementation and the clarity of thought that, Shubma, uh, that uh, Shivam Dubek possesses. And that is the reason why he was able to play that terrific knock 60 of 40 deliveries, five boundaries, and two sixes. And that adjured him a man of the match award at the end of the day. And he got good support with Jitesh Sharma, who has ample amount of experience moreover playing here in Punjab because of his uh, IPL performances in the Punjab Kings team. 31 of 20 from his bat as well. And to finish off, Rinku Singh also came out and had a bit of a shots here and there as well to finish off, which was a convincing win at the end of the day for Team India by six wickets. And they will be going on really uh, confident into Indore. And that that venue is another venue that I will definitely say is going to be a run feast of a venue for sure. If Afghanistan bats first there as well, they at least need to score 180. 200 to even make um, a command out there to even get a chance for themselves to defend the total if they are bat first. I mean to say because three matches have happened and all the three matches have seen some good scoring uh, rates being showcased. I still remember the 2017 match between India and Sri Lanka there and Rohit Sharma went went just blaze against the Sri Lankan bowling attack and he just smashed them left, right and centre. Scored a century there. One of his four centuries came in that venue. So he'll be hoping to have some runs under his belt because post the World Cup, if we see Rohit Sharma in the Test t- Series in South Africa, he wasn't up uh, with the runs as well. In the first match, he got it for a duck, unfortunately, due to the miscommunication he had with uh, Shubman Gill. And here, indoor a place where he has scored an ample amount of runs across formats, he will definitely be hoping to make a big impact here on Sunday, on 14th of January, when, the, when Team India faces Afghanistan in Indore in the second T20i. Moving on, we'll definitely talk about uh, other stuff as well, which is, which is the major part of the T20 fever, which I will always say, because the reason why this series is uh, going on every Wednesday and every Saturday is to cover all those fabulous franchise leaks that are happening across the world. We are just in the beginning stages. We are seeing the Big Bash League going upon. We are seeing the SA20 starting up a couple of days ago. And talking about SA20, that is what uh, we had a major focus on in the first episode on Wednesday. And today also, we are putting a major focus on that itself because the, f- the first three days of the tournament has happened. That The first match of the tournament on January 10th was between Sunray's Eastern Cape and Joburg Super Kings. And it was at Kebarha. And Unfortunately, the weather was not in the best ways, and it was pouring throughout the day out there, and that resulted in the match getting washed out. Maybe the first time a franchise league's opening contest itself has been washed out, unfortunately, and that is what uh, the first match between Eastern Cape and uh, between Jo'burg had to suffer, unfortunately, on a uh, witness day. But after that, when the tournament officially got started in Durban between Durban Super Giants and and in Cape Town. It was just a terrific day of batting because some really good batting showcase uh, came from both MI Cape Town and the Durban Super Giants. MI Cape Town were sent out to bat first and they were outstanding with the bat for sure, scoring over 200 runs out there. Liam Livingston and Kairon Porat did did an outstanding job in the finishers role, 25 and 31 each of uh, half of the deliveries of those uh, scores that they ended up scoring. So, definitely, they were giving a good amount of finishing touch. But in the early stages, it was this player, the opening batsman, the left-hander in Ryan Rickleton, who came out to bat and he was just in in superb form throughout the uh, innings that he showcased out there. 87 of 51 that he batted out there was outstanding to see. He he held up uh, good partnerships with the batters that he was uh, playing with. Nasi and went off way too early. But still, the way he picked up even after the early breakthrough was uh, really commendable. And the style of batting this left-hander brings in definitely has uh, a lot of capabilities of playing in the international circuit as well. Just 27 years old, a left-handed batter who is of a, uh, who is of a good attacking approach out there. And certainly with his batting style that I witnessed out there, his, he is also more like a Shivam player who attacks a lot towards the leg side. When he scored the six boundaries and six sixes, majority of those shots were towards the mid region and the square leg region. And that is the dominance of a left-hander who, in the T20 cricket and T20 format, especially across the world, if we see left-handers usually like to hit in that mid square leg region. And Ryan Rickleton was uh, no different out there when it comes to his batting. And the way he kept on the scoring rate up for the MI kept down. And ended up scoring over 200 runs out there with the bat. The first match itself of the tournament. And Ryan Rickerton was the one who in, who impressed out right off the gate. And it was nice to see the way Dublin Super Giants came back as well. Because they they didn't uh, uh, have a good beginning of sorts when it comes to uh, their innings. But the way they picked up after that and the way they scored those uh, runs were just a good uh, look into the eyes. Because their batters. Uh, up front, you know, Quinton DeCock is someone that has been having ample amount of experience. Now he can focus on on the franchisee leagues and other leagues across the world uh, specifically and can go out and play. But unfortunately, got away too early in the uh, in the first game. Matt Britsky, another youngster who has ample amount of talent under his belt. 13 of 24, four boundaries and two sixes. He was also playing extreme level. He is not a... Offside dominant player or side dominant player, like how I saw Ryan Rickard, and he can play all across the ground. And the way he showcased his att- attacking approach out there, right up from the front, when he wasn't having good amount of support from the other side, because Vian Mulder and Kimo Paul, they were given a bo- uh, bump up in the uh, batting order, but unfortunately, they didn't turn up well, 5-15 and 15 for them. But Matt Britsky, someone who is making a position for himself in the T20 team now, along with Aiden Markham in the opening slot, Definitely showcased excellent batting skills out there, 39 of 24. But the major crux of the batting came from Hendrich Klassen. The way he has completely changed his batting style over the last three, four years is just terrific to see. Because he has become he has become a consistent big match player in T20 cricket. And it is not for just South Africa or for any franchisee teams. It's across conditions, across the world. And that's the ability that Hendrich Classen provides. Out there in the IPL, you see him play extraordinary knocks for the Sunrisers Hyderabad, scored a century as well in the last season. But more than uh, more than those, it's his ability to adapt to play both spin and pace, and that is what uh, helped him in order to become a complete T20 cricketer. But in yesterday's game against MI Cape Town, he was just he had to just focus on the pace attack of the MI Cape Town. They had there was Kagi Rabada, there was Sam Curran, there was Buren Hendricks. He attacked all of them. And he managed to score a good amount of runs against them. Even Ollie Stone was the one who was very, very expensive. 41 runs he gave away out there. And Thomas Kebar, uh one over of that left-arm wrist spin, he went for 15 runs and never to be seen again. DM livings to 23 runs. It's South Africa conditions. So, spinners definitely always get the short end of the stick. And the way Hendricks Clasen was batting yesterday was just uh, terrific to see in the first game against him at Cape Town. 85 of 35 is what he scored. Four boundaries, eight sixes, 242 strike rate. And moreover, he in the middle of his phase, when the conditions were becoming overcast and the sign of rain was high, he made sure that this the team score was way ahead of the DLS par score. And that is what helped the team at the end of the day. Because after around 16-over mark, it was the rain that unfortunately affected the innings. Got to an end at 177 in the chase of 208, so they still required another 30 runs to win. They would have definitely won in an over or two after that with the intensity in which they were batting, but that innings of Henry Starson of 85 pretty much helped the team stay way ahead of the DLS fast score and that is what resulted in the team winning by 11 runs and sealing their first victory in this edition of the SA20. a third game that went out it was Pal Royals taking on the Pretoria capital and this was in a bo- in Boland park first of all talking about Boland Park I guess that is one of the most scen- most scenic beauty of there that, that uh, South Africa presents because in IPL whenever the games happen in Dharamshala, a lot of uh, focus is being given towards those uh, hilly areas out there towards the snowy mountains behind the stadium. And that scenic beauty that provides uh, for a good game of cricket out there is what is similar here in uh, in Boland Park and Pal. But it is moreover not a uh, snowy area. It was it is more like a desert area moreover, which will be the lot of mountains and a stadium in between out there. It was it was a small uh, small crowd for sure. There were around eight to ten thousand, but it was fully packed. They mentioned at the beginning of the match that the Pal Royals and the Pretoria Capital match has been sold out. And that was a great uh, ambience for a game of cricket. It was sunny out there. The skies were clear. And it is 5.30pm in South Africa whenever these games are happening. And it was a perfect day of cricket. And Paul Royal starting off on a good note in their home turf. 160 they scored with the bat. Equal contributions came out from everyone. Because Jason Roy, Josh Butler gave them a good start out there. Then David Miller came in, played a captain's knock, stood there in those middle overs and scored 41 valuable runs. With him, uh, Mitchell Van Buren, who scored twenty-eight of twenty-one, his style of batting gave me the thoughts of how AB de used to bat. Uh, that free-flowing uh, swing of the bat, that ability to move across the trees and try to play all those un- unconventional shots—that is pretty much how Mitchell Van Buren's uh, batting style is. He scored twenty-eight of twenty-one, but still, he has a lot of potential in uh, scoring runs. Is what we can we can expect as the tournament progresses. And in the end, it was Feklokoio's uh, cameo of 28 or 14, which helped the team go past the 150 mark, end up at 160, which was a convincing total because on an average, the Boland Park um, T20 score is around 135 to 145. And scoring 160 out there was definitely a good one for the PAL Royals at the end of 20 overs. There was good bowling from to uh, from Dupuil, the right-arm fast bowler out there. He took two for 29. Corbin Bosch. Also was excellent 2 for thirty five from his side as well, and Will Jacks was good with the ball as well, taking one for one for nineteen in the three overs and providing ample amount of support to Adil Rashid when it comes to the spin bowling in the innings. But when the run chase came in for the Pretoria capital, it was not easy because uh, one hundred and sixty one at first place in Boland Park was a was a way better score for the conditions that they were playing in. And Phil Salt got a good start. First ball itself, he started to loft the ball left, right, and center. He gave the good start out there, but he didn't have that good amount of support. Because Will Jacks went out early. Dennis De went out way too early. Riley Russo and uh, Phil Salt were playing that attacking innings out there. They were trying to keep the team in the hunt. They were 78 in 9 overs when Riley Russo got out. But after that, the batting just collapsed. And unfortunately, they weren't able to reach the target of 161 managing to score just 133, that middle-order moreover, if we see in Colin Ingram, Corbin Bosch, James Nisham, weren't able to uh, contribute much, and that resulted in the team uh, losing the game pretty convincingly against the against the Pal Royals by 27 runs. And with the ball as well, it was uh, none other than Andela Fiklucuayo, who was outstanding, 2-29 for 29 for him, and he got good amount of support from Lungi Ngiri and Obed McCoy who got one for 23 and one for 26, uh, respectively. And Tabresh Shamsi, one for 22. So, it was a good all-round effort of Andhra require with the bat and with the ball, which resulted in him getting the Man of the Match award. But in total, for Pal Royals, it was a great day of cricket and a great way to begin because everything clicked up really well. Their fast bowlers looked in good rhythm. Their batters contributed decently out there. Not It wasn't like one standout big performance coming out. It was equal contributions from everyone in the top six. So, it's a good start for the Paul Royals, and they'll be hoping to make it uh, long this time because last edition they finished up at number four in the points table and lost to the Pretoria Capital itself in the semi finals. But this time they have started up well in the first game itself, beating the same Pretoria Capitals in this uh, very contest. So, looking forward, what is there for the SA20 in the the weeks to come, in the week to come by? As I said, uh, Joburg Super Kings and my Cape Town today sunrise eastern cape taking on the uh, uh, taking on the durban super giants then tomorrow once again we will be seeing the uh, pretoria capital taking on Bald royals this time in centurion so it is more like a head to head right uh, right next to each other right, in a span of like 3 days out there between the two teams then on monday it will be durban super giants taking on the joburg super kings and then it is going to be mi cape town versus uh, sunrise eastern cape on tuesday so cape town is going to make it, make its debut in this edition on Tuesday and a lot, of, a lot of focus will be on there on that venue for sure because the way the test match went a week ago between India and South Africa gave a lot of uh, criticism because you can't expect a test match to get over in one and a half days and Cape Town Newlands kind of gave that kind of uh, th- that performance unfortunately it has been rated poorly as well by the uh, by the ICC match officials let us hope how the T20 wicket is going to turn up in Cape Town on Tuesday, when when MI Cape Town take on the Sunrise Eastern Cape. Let us move into other, another tournament which has already been going on for a, quite a period of time. It started on December 7th. It is in the business end of its uh, time period at the moment. It has around 4-5 around games left in the league stage. And we'll be into the uh, into the semi-finals, into the playoffs in a week uh, in a week's time, and that is the Big Bash League that is happening in the in Australia. And this is a tournament that has the second biggest history when it comes to financial cricket because it started off with IPL in 2008 and 2011. We saw Australia apply a similar kind of an approach and change their Big Bash League system into a financial based tournament and. It's been 13 seasons. This is the 13th season going on here in Australia. And it's been a very, very good tournament because they do all the um, all the experiments out there. They were the ones, big McBash uh, was the one that brought out the Zing Bales, which is a staple in, in international cricket today. Where We saw the bat flip coming into play when it comes to a toss being replaced by a bat flip, making it feel more like a backyard cricket. And as far as the power play is also concerned, they are the ones who play who have a 4-over power play in a, in a game. And the remaining 2-overs can be taken as a power surge in the last 10-overs from the batting side. So, the pretty uh, new, new ideas being introduced, they were the ones who introduced the Impact Player Rule, which they themselves removed after a couple of years. But now other leagues are introducing the Impact Player Rule as the time is progressing. But talking about the 2023-2024 edition, 13th edition of the Big Bash League, it has been tremendous, is what uh, I can definitely say. Because Brisbane Heat, they opened this uh, tournament against the Melbourne Stars in the first game, and they were right on the money from the first game. They scored two hundred and fourteen with the bat in the first game. Uh, their captain Colin Munro scored ninety nine with the bat, and that still lies uh, happens to be the highest individual score in this edition of the Big Bash League, and that's the un- uh, unfortunate thing. the The competition. Uh, between bat and ball is so intense that there is not a single centurion in this tournament so far. We are almost 40 day, forty games into the tournament. And still, we are yet to see a player to score a three-figure mark. And, and looking into the teams out there, the way Brisbane Heat have played have been outstanding. Nine matches, seven victories, two matches got washed out. So they are literally unbeaten in the tournament. And they are playing some outstanding cricket out there. They have some good Combination of batters and bowlers in their team. Colin Munro to, uh, to mention out there, he's been outstanding with the bat. The consistency that he is showcasing is just uh, terrific. And on the bowling end, as well, they have a Xavier Bartlett, who has been one of the best batters in the tournament. So bowlers in the tournament taking the most wickets with 15 under his belt. And he has been someone who has uh, consistently bowled, good line and lens, and has done a terrific job. And that boring also. Managed out uh, pretty well out there in Mitchell Swepson. And it is a very well-laid-out team is what uh, we can say when it comes to the Brisbane Heat. And that is the reason why they find themselves in the top of the table being very consistent with the bat. They are applying themselves to all the conditions, whether it is Gabba or whether it is some other venue they are playing. And they are showcasing some good amount of cricket in the Big Bash League 13th edition. As far as the next two teams that are there they are the most successful teams in the big bash league perth scorchers the five time champions sydney sixers the three time champions they are number 2 and number 3 in the points table yet to be uh, getting their qualification on their side brisbane it is the only team that have got the qualification at the moment but looking at the way sydney sixers and perth uh, scorchers have played it's been even steven's they have won a five of their uh, eight and eight matches the nine matches that they have played and they are definitely a team which bank on different strategies. Sydney Sixers they bank on experienced heads. That is why we see Daniel Hughes, we see Jordan Sipp, we see Mo- uh, Moises uh, Hendrik is their captain, and Ben Wash is their lead bowler. All these players have played around seven to nine editions, or even ten editions, for their team uh, over the la- uh, over the over the years. So they had big players out there who have ex- excellent amount of experience. That is what Sydney Sixers uh, fall upon. As far as Perth Scorchers is concerned, they are grooming youngsters every single edition we can see out there. We saw the, the likes of uh, the Marsh brothers come up over the years. We saw the likes of uh, Michael Klingers play over the years. But in the current generation, it is the it is the Aaron Hardys out there. It is Zach Crowley. It is uh, Cooper Connelly, another new youngster whom they are growing, grooming up out there. These are very talented cricketers. Laurie Evans is a big part of their team as well. Uh, comes from England hasn't played much games for hasn't played any games for the England cricket team out there in the international circuit but has been a terrific franchisee cricketer out there playing almost majority of the franchisee leagues across the world and for the Perth Scorchers he has been a great uh, value addition into their team when it comes to uh, their batting and that is the reason why Perth Scorchers have been so good when it comes to transitioning from one player to another and their bowling attack I can definitely say is the best bowling attack in any T20 franchisee league because they have the likes of Andrew Tai, who has experience behind him. They have the likes of Jay Richardson, who is another uh, player who has played for a long period of time for the uh, for the Perth Scorchers. Then there is Jason Berendorf, their lead pacer who has been in terrific form in the last couple of years in T20 cricket. And that has also been shown in the Australian jersey by Jason Berendorf. And now they are pushing Lance Morris also, who has been a good red ball bowler for the Australian team. But now even with the white ball, he's turning up well. Took a five-wicket haul earlier on in the edition. And he has the best figure in the tournament as well. Lance Moore is for 24 against uh, the Adelaide Strikers earlier in the edition. And that's the thing with the Perth Scorchers team. They have had ups and downs in the tournament because their main captain in Aston Turner had to be ruled out because of his uh, knee injury. So Aaron Hardy took over for the first time and he has uh, taken his time to get used to it. But definitely he is, uh, making, uh, he is making sure... To make the best of the opportunities that has been given as the captain for the Perth Scorchers team. We talked about three good teams that, that have been outstanding and are at the top of the tables out there. Now we should talk about the team that is in the bottom, that is the Melbourne Renegades. They have been very poor in this edition of the uh, Big Bash League. It is one more bad edition is what we can say because their team is... They they had the likes of Quinton Deacock earlier on in the tournament. They had Joe Clark earlier on in the tournament. They had uh, Aaron Finch who announced his retirement a week ago from Big Bash League. That's the thing. They had Nick Maddenson in their team. It's it's a team which has players who aren't been in the best of the forms. Quinton Deacock was not finding the rhythm that well like he he used to uh, find in other conditions out there. Joe Clark was pretty much showcasing his inability to play the short ball out there. And you can't play short ball in Australian conditions. It's going to be tough for you when it comes to run scoring. And and the batting order was more of a very, very rigid and weak is what we can say. And that is the reason why they have managed just one victory in the eight games that they have played in this tournament so far. And they will be just hoping to finish up on a high. It's more of a tournament to end on pride, is what we can say. Mujibur Rahman was good in the games that he played for them. The best of the lords in this tournament for them has been their lead person, Tom Rogers. Apart from him, it has been just a very dark tournament. And also, another player whom I can definitely say has been the breakout star. But playing for a wrong team in the Melbourne Renegades is Jake Fraser-Miller. megov 215 runs for him. 16 maximums. 164 strike rate. Just... Uh, we can say the next embodiment of a Glenn Maxwell because the style of batting is pretty, pretty much similar to him. When he goes there, takes risks, goes for the big shots, and if he makes it well, he makes it big out there. If he doesn't make it, doesn't make it at all. That is how that is what Glenn Maxwell is, and we have seen what a storied career that has been for him in the Australian jersey. We can hope for the same for a young 21-year-old in Jake Fraser-McGill, who is making his own as the time is progressing in the Big Bash League, who is definitely a player to watch out for. In the years to come by. Another player that I will definitely say is a player to watch out for is Nikhil Choudhury for Hobart Hurricanes. Similar to Melbourne Renegades, Hobart Hurricanes too have have been eliminated from the tournament. They have been very inconsistent when it comes to their performance with the bat and with the ball. Very lethargic moreover when it comes to their body language on the field as such. But only one player that I feel really, really impressed has been Nikhil Choudhury out there for them. He has scored over 150 runs in the tournament. Has a couple of 50s under his belt but the way he batted out there in the games right from his first match the debut that he made has been just terrific and this player moreover Nikhil Choudhury, comes from Punjab had moved to, had gone to brisbane for a vacation in 2020 got stuck there during the covid pandemic and decided to make a living out there in uh, in brisbane and ultimately playing for the brisbane uh, cricket out there getting the i uh, getting into the eyes of someone like a james hopes and helping him to get a place in the Big Bash League in 3-4 years' time. Has definitely been a fairy tale for short sure for Nikhil Choudhury out there. Who is definitely making his name in the Big Bash League whenever the opportunities have been given. And this one has been a good one for him. Because he missed out the first couple of games. But the third game when he started to debut against the Perth Scorchers. There itself he scored a brilliant 40 of, the, uh, 40 of around 25 deliveries. He had a good partnership out there with one of the batsmen in his team. So he has the temperament to be a perfect middle-order batter and someone that the Hobart Hurricanes might Im- invest in the years to come by in the Big Bash uh, League as well. Talking about the remaining teams in the tournament, uh, Sydney Thunder, apart from the David Warner news, whatever that happened over the last couple of days when he made all those big returns for the team after a long period of time, it has been a very horrible season for the Sydney Thunder to say one win in the seven games that they have played, very, very inconsistent with the way they are scoring. Their batting, the batting hasn't turned up at all. Unfortunately, Alex Hales hasn't been in a good form. Matthew Killicks comes in, goes out out there. Not so much runs under his belt. Uh, well, Jason Sangha, um, uh, Oliver Davis, youngsters who have big amount of potential, but unfortunately not living up to the expectations that they have uh, that has been laid on them. Then as far as the bowling, it is very good. They have uh, they have Tanvir Sangha who impresses every single time. Daniel Sams also has a five wicket haul under his belt as well earlier on in the tournament. But it is just that they don't have that consistent performance from uh, from their batting department, which has been a big letdown. Zaman Khan has been an outstanding foreign uh foreign import for their team in the Sydney Thunder, and he has outstandingly bowled in the matches that he has played for the Sydney Thunder. The bowling has been very good, but the batting has completely let down the team, and unfortunately, they are almost on the verge of uh, elimination. I think they might have been eliminated as well after the loss to Sydney Sixers in yesterday's game. In the Sydney Smash game as well. One team that is uh, two teams that are currently out there, f- we're kind of fighting out for that fourth position are the Melbourne Stars and the Adelaide Strikers. And these two teams have had almost a, a similar kind of a journey, we can say, because. Uh, because the way the melbourne stars start it was more uh, it was looking like another bad season for them like how it has been over the last 4 years they have finished at seventh or eighth they have held the wooden, wooden spoon in last 3 seasons consecutively this season also the way they started losing the first three games it was feeling similar but they came back strong four wins on a trot after that and they have been in good nick uh, in uh, coming into the business end of the tournament and they definitely have a bigger chance of qualification to the uh, Semi finals uh, to the playoff uh, at the number four position. And that is thanks to the way Marcus Tonis has played, Thomas Rogers has stepped up. Sam Harper, unfortunately, he, he had to be ruled out of the tournament because of his inconsistency. It is just uh, that they have found out a way to come and perform. Glenn Maxwell, the captain, has played a major share in that uh, performance as well. And that has resulted in Melbourne stars coming into the position that they are in at the moment. And talking about uh, the last team, that is the Adelaide Strikers, they have also started off on a losing note. They lost the first two games out there. Then they came back strong. Um, but uh, they, they won the first game, and then the, the second game got washed out. And after that, they lost three matches. So by the, f- by the fifth game, they had just one victory on their belt. And after that, the way they came out strong and the way they scored was just uh, terrific, is what I can say when it comes to performing. Performance for the Adelaide Strikers because they managed to win three matches on a trot and they have now are in such a scenario that they can qualify to the semi finals to the playoffs at the number four position. And they are having that war with the uh, Melbourne Stars for the number four position. Let us see will they make it or not. But in the next three, four days' time, for sure, I can definitely say that the Big Bash League will be getting an idea of what teams are going to be doing. Looking at the way the tournament has progressed so far, definitely the Brisbane Heat, the Sydney Thunders, the Sydney Sixers and the Perth Scorchers will be hopeful of qualifying for the next round. Unfortunate that Melbourne Renegades, Sydney Thunder and the Hobart Hurricanes have been eliminated. But that fourth spot is something that is going to be fought out out there. And the next couple of days, we'll get an idea of which team is going to be making it to the top four. Whether it is Melbourne Stars or whether it is Adelaide Strikers, that is something that we'll get an idea of in the next couple of days time and the top four for sure will be rooting out there for the uh, uh, for the playoffs and that is going to be a terrific time for sure when it comes to the big bash league. One thing that covering this big bash league tournament I have got to know is that with the introduction of power surge and the power play being just four overs, it is a good amount of balance between bat and ball. And that is the reason there is not regular instances of teams scoring 200, and f- 200 plus scores or even 180 to be of sorts. Not just the dimensions of the ground are big, the scoring also is challenging as well. And that is the reason why even the 160s, 165s are pretty much a mouthwatering contest and can be defendable in the Australian conditions, in the KFC, in the Big Bash League conditions. And that is why I feel this tournament, the Big Bash League, is a good, exp- uh, good presentation of of Batchman versus Bowler because there is equal amount of contest and the conditions also help both the, uh, both the skills equally. And that is why I feel this is one of the best tournaments that has been happening over the years. And it continues to grow and give opportunities to us, to Australia's youngsters and the new faces out there. Because Matthew Short, another player who has come through the ranks by his performance for, for the Adelaide Strikers over the years. Now he's the captain of the team. And this edition, he's been the highest run scorer, scoring 435 runs with five 50s under his belt. And then you are seeing Chris Lynn out there consistently performing in the Big Bash League out there, making sure that his career stays as long as possible. Even Sean March playing for the Melbourne Renegades, he looks in good touch. So definitely it is nice that players who have had their best days in the international uh, circuit can continue playing for their uh, respective teams in the Big Bash League and continue the good form. And the new ones, like uh, Xavier Bartlett, like Matt Short, can impress the selectors in this tournament and make it into the international squad as the time progresses. That is what the Big Bash League in short does. And it is a terrific tournament so far. This edition, the 13th edition, has been a good one out there. And let us hope that the playoffs and the knockout stages also be so interesting and so fun to watch. That is it for the moment here on the T20 Fever on the Offset Podcast. We have had a long discussion in the Big Bash League on the SA20 and on the India-Afghanistan match. And we'll be talking more about all these tournaments and the tournaments to come by in the next week. And it is going to be definitely a great time for a T20 cricket fan. Thank you for listening. This is Dhanush Lavanya, signing off.